Well, today we have our junior church kids with us, and so we're going to ask them to come all down front. We have a message this morning for all of our boys and girls, so come on down front. And as you're coming down, you're going to receive a 50-cent piece from Jared. Once you got your 50-cent piece, come on down here in the front and have a seat real quick. This is a great-looking group of boys and girls. Did you have a good Christmas? Yeah. Ah, great. Well, we're going we're gonna to tell you a story from this book. What's this book called? The Bible. And uh, there are four Gospels. Can anybody tell me what those four Gospels are? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're going to tell you one of the parables from the book of Matthew, chapter 25, this morning. And then you're going to help us because we're going to take a special offering for those who are going on our missions trip, and you're going to help us here with that 50-cent piece that you have. And this story that Jesus told is a parable. And here's what happened. He said there was a man who was going to go on a trip, and so he called his three servants to him, and he gave one of them five pieces of money. He gave another one two pieces of money, and the other one one piece of money. And he said, listen, I'm going to take this trip, and while I'm gone, you take care of this money for me. So the man with five, you know what he did? He went out and what? Traded for, man, what wisdom. Traded for five more pieces. He doubled it. And then the man with two, you know what he did? He traded it, right, he traded it. And then the last man, he had one. And what did he do? That's right. He took a shovel, went and buried it, and hid it. Because he was fearful, the Bible says. He was fearful that when his master came back, he was fearful that maybe somebody would steal it. Now, the first two, they really loved their master. And this story is really about how God loves us. And because he loves us, we want to do our best for him. And we should always want to do our best for Jesus because he loves us. And so what happened was the man took the journey and he went away. And when he came back, exactly, the man who had five had doubled it. And now he had ten. The man who had two, he had doubled it. And he had four. But the one man only had one. Why? Because he was fearful. You know, we don't have to be fearful of Jesus. He loves us. He died on the cross for us. He loves us so much, and we should want to serve him out of love. And those two men, that's what they did. They gave more than they had. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to live out this parable this morning, and you're going to help me. And everybody out there is going to help me. Because you all have a 50-cent piece. Now... If we were like the last man in the story, what would we do with that 50-cent piece? We would go and bury it. Now, that wouldn't be good, would it? So we want to double that 50-cent piece. So if we doubled it, how much would that be? A dollar. That would be pretty good. But maybe we could even do better than that. Maybe we could triple it and quadruple it and a hundred times it. That would really be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. Now... Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take a trip. I'm going to go out that door. I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to come back in that door. While I'm gone, 
here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out in the auditorium, and there's going to be people holding dollars and fives and tens and twenties, and you're going to trade them. Now, you, you know, maybe your parents are here. You want to trade with them, but maybe your grandparents are here, and they're a lot richer probably. So you, you could see them, or maybe there's other people that have big bills, you know. But what I want you to do is I want you to go out, and, and Jared is going to come bring the offering plate, and he's going to put it back here. And you're going to, real quick, you're going to go, and you're going to increase your 50-cent piece. You're going to trade it like the, the guys in the story. And we're going to see if we can increase it today to give to missions, to help our people who are going to missions. So are you ready? Now, I know I have a grandson here, so I better get my wallet before I go on my trip. And I better give to my grandson before I leave on my trip to take care of his. So anyway, okay. So go. I'm going to go on a trip. So go take your 50 cent piece and trade it out there with all those people holding up money for you. Okay, once once I'm back, so have a seat real quick. Nobody traded. Let's see. We'll get somebody to trade with you. Okay, over, over here. Saul, so stand up. Stand up so that she can see you. Okay, I'm going to help you here. Come down this way, right down this aisle over here. There's a man holding, there's a bunch of people. Just get all that money. <laughs> Remember, I went to school under Jerry Falwell. I know how to take an offering. Oh, there's still more coming. If you haven't, you can come up and put your offering in. Wow, you guys, you really did great. I think you're like those two stewards who didn't bury their money. They went and they increased it because it looks like you more than doubled what we had. And that's exciting. Hey, I took a trip. I went to Germany, went in the footsteps of Martin Luther, if you wondered where I went. I really didn't go to Germany. Anyway, well, good job. Excellent job. And that shows us what we can do and how if we're just faithful and using what God's given us, maybe it's the talents that God's given you. Come on up. Come on up. Wow. Good. Excellent job. Might be our best offering all year. (laughs) I have to try this every week. So, uh, well, thank you, boys and girls, for helping us to live out the parable of the faithful and the unfaithful stewards today. But you are all faithful stewards. So I want to encourage you, no matter what gifts that you have, use them for God. Why? Not out of fear, but because God loves us, and we want to show him that we love him. Thank you. You can go back to your seats. Now, Maybe, just maybe there's an adult out there who would say, you know what, I'd like to be a faithful steward. I'd like to take this money this week and double it. Think about that. If there's somebody who said, hey, I'll take that money and double it, you come see me, and we'll talk about it. Just to kind of, for some of you who couldn't see, that's a pretty, uh, pretty overflowing plate there. So thank you so much for... Uh for your generosity this morning. If you have your Bibles for uh, the last time in a while, turn to the book of Philippians. 
this is our 15th uh, visit to this book this morning, and we are going to finish our series, uh, Perspective. And, um, and so we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4 this morning. And uh, before we uh, look into God's word, let's just pause for a word of prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity we have to uh, be part of your family. And Lord, we know that that wouldn't be possible unless it was because of your great generosity in sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sin. And Lord, this morning, we just thank you and praise you for taking our place on the cross, for dying for our sin so we can have a relationship with you. And Jesus, that's the greatest gift that, uh, that was ever given, and, and we just praise you and thank you for that this morning. And Lord, this morning, as we look into your word, I pray that you would take away all the distractions and the things that uh, might be weighing heavily on our hearts and help us to focus on you. And Lord, in the quietness of this room, help us to listen to your still, small voice. Father, thank you that uh, you brought this family together here at Mount Calvary. Thank you for the opportunity we have to, to worship you and to serve you. And Lord, it's my prayer that everything that is done and said this morning might bring you honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning we're going to close out our series on uh, Philippians, talking about the Philippian perspective. And specifically, we're talking about generously, generously give to grow the ministry of the gospel. And as we begin this morning, I have a question to ask you. And the question is this, would you make an investment if it had a guaranteed return? Would you make personally make an investment if it had a guaranteed return? Now, I don't know about you, but uh, my portfolio is not very varied. I don't have a whole lot of investments, but uh, I did marry into some Hershey stock. And so Dane and I have some Hershey stock. And, and so because we have Hershey stock, I, I, on a weekly basis, check it a few times. And in the last 52 weeks, the stock price has vacillated between uh, $71 and $101. And the weeks that it's around the $100 mark, that, those are good weeks. I'm pretty happy. And the weeks that it's down around $70, uh, I'm not so happy. Uh, and and we've, we've had this stock for 15 years. And the reason that we keep it is because in our minds, it's a sure thing investment, right? Everyone loves chocolate. Uh, the world needs more chocolate, and especially around the holidays, it is a can't-miss gift, right, chocolate. I mean, some of you probably got chocolate for Christmas, and, uh, and so we think it's a, it's a can't-miss investment, but in today's economic climate, there are not many sure-thing investment opportunities, are there? Uh, there, there are no such thing as a sure thing. And this morning, we're going to look at generosity, and we're going to look at its guaranteed return. Uh, we're going to talk about the guaranteed return of being generous. And, and in order for us to kind of continue, I think it's important for us to know the definition of generosity. Uh, and I came across this definition this, this past week, and, and biblical generosity is an other-focused sacrifice. It's an other focused sacrifice. It's something you give up to help someone else without care for what you might have been able to do with the gift yourself. It's something you give up to care for someone else without worrying about what you could do with that money yourself. And I thought, man, that's, that's a really good definition of generosity. 
It's something, it's an other focus sacrifice. And this morning we're going to look at the Philippians and we're going to look how they modeled generosity for us. Because I think it's an, important for us to, to, to see how they modeled this generosity um, that we're talking about this morning. And so, uh, first of all, let's look at their gifts of generosity. In verses 14 to 16 of chapter 4, Paul says this, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. And I think in the beginning here, we need to talk about the Philippians' partnership with Paul. Now, in, in our country today, there's been some productive partnerships that we all benefit from on a daily basis. There's been Larry Page and Sergey Brin who have become partners and they have created, anybody know? Google. And I don't know about you, but uh, there's not a day that I don't go to Google and Google something. Uh, information at our, we can search for information at such a rapid pace and so because of their partnership, we have Google. And, and uh, you know, then there's Ben Cohen and Jerry Greenfield. And, they've, and they partnered together to give us Ben and Jerry's ice cream. How many people here like Ben and Jerry's ice cream? I mean, it is great. I love late night snack. And without them, there would be no late night snack ice cream. And it is great. It is the best. And so because of their partnership, we have the benefit of having Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Then there's the Albert Brothers, the Albert Brothers and Harry Warner. And their partnership has brought us Warner Brothers. And they have produced and distributed 6,500 movies. This, this year for Christmas, I got the Man of Steel movie, the Superman movie, and, and, and it was because of their partnership and because of their uh, working together. They distributed Man of Steel, and so while I watch Man of Steel, I can eat some Ben & Jerry's ice cream because of those great partnerships. Um, and so that's another important partnership. And then the, uh, probably the one of the most famous partnerships, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, they came together and they formed this little company called Apple, and because of that, many of us have these in our pockets because we have these in our pockets, we can go on Google, and wherever we're at, we can find out any kind of information we need. So those have been some productive partnerships. But this morning, we're talking about the productive partnership of Paul and the Philippians. And Paul says in verse 14, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Now, we know the troubles that Paul is in. We have been talking about it as we've gone through this series. But, but just for a refresher, he is in Rome under house arrest, which he has to pay the rent for that house himself. And, and he is chained to a guard for 24 hours a day. And he is awaiting trial before Caesar. It is a life or death situation. And he is on trial being falsely accused of doing something he didn't do. He is in trouble. He is in trouble. And, and he says, you know, it was good of you to share in my troubles. And the way that the Philippians shared in his troubles, they had sent Epaphroditus to him with a gift and to minister to him. And now Paul has sent Epaphroditus back to the Philippian Christians with this letter. During Paul's present problems, the Philippians provided pivotal provisions in the midst of their own personal poverty. 
I think that's amazing. You know, the Philippians were going through a difficult time themselves, but in the midst of that, they still wanted to partner with Paul, and they provided provisions for him in his, in his time of trouble. They ministered to him. And Paul viewed the Philippians' concern for him and their generosity toward him as evidence of their partnership or fellowship with him in ministry. And so they had this, this, this active partnership, uh, and it's an active participation. The Philippians weren't silent or slacking in their support. They had an amazing partnership. They walked side by side together as Paul was going through trouble. And this past week, I got to visit two of our, uh, two of our family members here at Mount Calvary Church at home that are going through some difficult times, some, some health troubles. And as I visited with each one, I was so encouraged to hear about how uh, each one of those individuals I visited had, had singled out someone else who was going through a difficult time health-wise, and they were coming alongside them and trying to encourage them and trying to minister to them and trying to tell them, hey, this is what happened when I was going through my difficult time. And I was thinking, wow, they are partnering with that person in a very dark time. They're being light to that person in a very dark time. They're showing love and concern to that person while they're going through trouble. And that's what the Philippians were doing with Paul. They, they were coming alongside him, and they were helping him in the midst of this trouble. And so, so they were partners. And this partnership had, had an important product. And the product of this partnership, first of all, was sacrificial sharing from the Philippians. In verses 15 and 16, Paul says, Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, we set out from Macedonia. Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even as when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. And it's interesting, as I was looking at these verses, he starts off and he says, talking about the Philippians, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel. And when I was looking at it, I was thinking, from the beginning, the Philippians understood that they were partners with Paul in God's ministry. They understood it from the beginning. Uh, you know, th their salvation was, was very soon followed by sacrifice. Sacrifice to help the minister, God's ministry grow and, and reach more people. And so the Philippians got it right away. Right in the beginning, they understood, hey, we are partners with Paul. And we need to help him. We need to sacrifice so that he can go and share the gospel where all God is calling him to go. It goes on, it says, Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. You know, Paul left Philippi and he went 95 miles down the road to Thessalonica. And they were the only church to generously and sacrificially support Paul. And they repeatedly sent representatives with gifts. And when Paul left Macedonia... They remained the only church to support him, even when he went to wealthy Corinth. And that was so, so important. Uh, that so allowed Paul to have a, a great ministry. And the reason it's important is for a few reasons. First of all, when Paul moved into a new region, he worked hard to distinguish his ministry from the other for-profit teachers of wisdom and religion in his day. And, and this is kind of the, the environment that Paul was in. They had these, these teachers of wisdom or these wise religious people that they charged people for teaching. They charged great deals of money for people to understand truth and wisdom and, and, and share religious teachings. And so it was only for the wealthy people only the wealthy people could, could, could buy this kind of wisdom from these people. 
And Paul believed the gospel was for everyone, rich and poor. So he ministered and taught for free. His big thing was, you know what? The gospel is the good news and it's for everybody. And I don't want a cent from it. So I'm going to share it with everybody and anyone who will listen to me talk. And so their gifts, their sacrificial gifts enabled him to do this. You know, in 1 Thessalonians 2.9, it says, Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel to you. And this talks about when Paul moved into an area, he worked hard. He made tents to support himself and his team members, his ministry team. They didn't want to be a burden on anyone. They didn't want to receive money for anyone. And so, so when he moved into the area, that's, he, he, he got to b- busy working and he worked hard. But because of their generous gifts, he accepted their contributions. And this gift helped support his, his needs. And it freed him up from working long hours so he could be active in missionary endeavors. While he was in Corinth, he talked about the Philippians' help. And in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5, he says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want, to know, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches, the Philippians. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. I love that verse too. In the midst of severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urged, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God to us also. So Paul is talking about the Philippians' generosity. And he's saying, hey, while we were in Corinth, you know what, you enable, you gave so much that we didn't even have to, to work long hours making tents. That gave us more time to go and share the gospel with other people. And it was all because of your generosity. It's because you were our partners in this ministry together. On Christmas Day, I went online and, and uh, went to Google because... Um, can't, can't go a day without being on Google. And, and I read an article about Warren Buffett. And on Christmas Day, Warren Buffett made a $10 million gift to a hospital in Israel for their 75th anniversary. What a, what a Christmas gift. I don't know anybody else here got $10 million for Christmas, but this hospital did. Earlier in the week, I read a little more about Warren Buffett, and you may have read it too, but this year he made $37 million a day pretty good year, I guess, $37 million a day. Uh, and so, so he was in the news this, a lot this week, and I, and I read about this gift, and then I was sitting at, at Christmas dinner, and I was talking to my mom. My mom was sharing a story from one of her pastors, and one of her pastors, Danny, shared this story in, in church uh, recently, and he has a four-year-old son, and his son has been saving up for months for a special toy. And finally, the day came where he got enough money he told his dad, Dad, I have all the money. And so his dad put him in the car, and they went where every good parent goes to get toys, Walmart. And they went to Walmart, and they went back to the toy section, and he picked out his toy, and he had his money in his hand. And he went out, and he went up front, and like in every Walmart, you have to wait in line because there's never enough checkout people. And he's waiting in line, and he notices the lady in front of him. And the lady in front of him is crying. 
Danny's son looks at him and says, Daddy, wh- wh- why is she crying? Danny says to him, well, son, she, she doesn't have enough money to buy her food. Without missing a beat, her son says, well, Dad, I, I have money, and I don't need this toy. And he turns and he gives her the $40. And he goes home from Walmart, and he walks in the door, and his mom's like, hey, where, where's your toy? She's like, oh, I didn't get it. I gave my money to someone in line. Not about you, but uh, $10 million is more than $40, isn't it? But $10 million for Warren Buffett's not a sacrifice. $40 from that little four-year-old, he was the generous one, wasn't he? That's all that he had. And he saw a need, and he helped him. I don't know about you, but Danny's doing something right raising that kid. Because that, that, that's an amazing, amazing story of generosity. And, and that's really what was happening here with the Philippians. They were going through poverty and persecution. They didn't have a whole lot, but what they had, they wanted to give for the ministry of the gospel. And so they sacrificed and, and they gave. And, and, and so, so the Philippians were, were sacrificially giving. That was their product of this partnership. And, and because of that, Paul's product was he was going to praise them and pray for them. And here we see his praise. He says, Paul says, it was good. He takes the time to pause and tell the Philippians that they had done well. They had done something noble. They had done something beautiful in character. And I don't know about you, but we live in a culture where oftentimes the only time we hear from people is when we've done something wrong, right? And I got to tell you that I'm guilty of this too, because I think about when I, when I, as I interact with my children, oftentimes it's to point out the things maybe that they have messed up and maybe not a lot of times praising the things that they did right. But we live in this culture where you only hear from people when things haven't gone so well. And Paul pauses and he says, wait a minute, for the record, good job, Philippians. You have done well. So he is praising them. But you know what? He also prays for them. In the very beginning of the book, in verses 3 through 5 in chapter 1, Paul says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So not only does Paul praise them for, for, the, for sacrificing in this partnership, but he says, you know what, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to persistently pray for you. I, 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 am, I am a prayer warrior for you because of our partnership. That's what I'm going to do. That's the product of this partnership. You're going to sacrificially give, and I'm going to use that money and and share the gospel. And as I share the gospel, I'm not going to forget what you've done. I'm going to tell others about your generosity, and I'm going to pray that God would bless you and encourage you and be with you. And so that's their, um, uh, their, their gifts of generosity. And these gifts, you know what, they had value. They had value. I don't know about you, but have you ever received a valuable gift? I was trying to think about this. Uh, what's the most valuable gift that I've ever received? And, and, and you know, as, as we come home for Christmas, we spend it with my family and Dana's family. We, we're truly blessed. Our families are, uh, they, they, they give beyond what we deserve. And as I was thinking about the gifts, I remember one year for my birthday and Christmas, I got a really valuable gift. It was my senior year of college, and 
And that summer before we went back to college, Dana and I just got engaged. And for that first semester, she was going to study in, in, in Spain for the semester. And for those of you teenagers, that's before cell phones and internet, so we weren't going to see or talk or do any of that kind of stuff. That we, You can't FaceTime back in 1998 and all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and so, you know, it was kind of like, you know, cut off all kind of communication. And my birthday rolled around, and, and I got this note for my birthday for Christmas. Dana said, I'm giving you a, a plane ticket that you can fly to Spain, and we'll spend our last we- her last week, the week before Christmas, in Spain together, and then we'll fly home for Christmas with every other American college student in Europe on that plane. It was packed full of kids ready to get home for, for, for Christmas. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, that, that's one of the most valuable gifts that I ever received. And maybe not because it was a lot of money, first of all, but, you know, I got to experience what she was experiencing for that whole semester and, and, and we hadn't seen each other for so long, and, and we, 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 we enjoyed going around, seeing all the sights in Valencia and all the different things, and it was amazing. It was an amazing time. And it was, a, it was a super valuable gift that I'll never, never forget. And here Paul says in verses 17 and 18 that the gifts of the Philippians were valuable. He says, not that I desired your gifts. What I desired is the, that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. These gifts had value because it provided for Paul's needs. It provided for his needs. You know, we had already talked about how the Philippians had given support to Paul while he was in Thessalonica and in Corinth. And now they're given a gift to support him while he's in Rome. So this, there's this faithfulness. They've been faithfully supporting and generously giving to Paul throughout his ministry. And we learned last week that Paul learned to be content in any situation because of his faith and trust in Christ. And so, you know, Paul was content. He said, you know, I knew what it was to be in want and to, what, and to, to have enough. And I'm going to be content no matter what because God is with me and Christ will get me through. And now Paul says, not that I desired your gifts. And it's kind of an interesting phrase. When you look at it, you say, is Paul being ungrateful? I mean, these, these Philippians are sacrificing. They're in the midst of poverty and persecution. And he says, not that I desired your gifts. But he's not being ungrateful. That, that's not what he's trying to say. You know, he appreciates their, their generosity. It's been a, a huge blessing. But he goes on to say, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. Paul is thankful for their gift, but he is more thrilled about the fact that their generous giving show their spiritual maturity and they will pres- and, and provide them with present blessings and heavenly rewards. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 6 says this, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help him. And so Paul says, you know, what I desire more, I appreciate your gifts, but you know what? I, I want you to be blessed by your gifts. And not only here, but, but to, to benefit from the eternal rewards because of your sacrifice. And so he's like, you know, you know I, I want you to be blessed by that. And he goes on and he says, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent me. Here, Paul makes it clear. He's not asking for any money, more money. He's saying, you know what? Your gifts have supplied my need and now they have filled my reserves. I am well stocked. Thank you so much. 
you have met all my needs and then some because of your great generosity. Thank you so much for helping us. So, so Paul's needs were provided for. And, and so, so this, it was a valuable gift, it, you know, because it, it met all of his needs. But you know what? This gift also had value to God. It pleased God. He says, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And this is the, the picture of the Old Testament burnt offering, in which the offering was given and it was burnt up, and an aroma would, would come off that, that sacrifice and, and, and rise up to, towards God. He says, your gifts please God. And you know what? God wasn't impressed by people going through the motions to offer the gift or the sacrifice. And the aroma of the offering wasn't the thing that pleased God. What really pleased God is the generous spirit of his people. The generosity the Philippians showed Paul was highly valued and pleased God. It pleased God because of, this, because of their generosity. And so they, they gave a gift that had value. Value to Paul, it met his needs, and it was valuable to God because he saw their generous heart, their desire to partner with the gospel. And finally, let's look at the gift supply in verses 19 and 20. It says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 19 is a pretty familiar verse. We hear it a lot. And my God will meet all your needs. And here, you know, Paul says, God is the source, and he will supply the Philippians' needs. And this promise shared by Paul, uh, it needs to be read in the right context, in the context of these verses. Just like the Philippians had kept Paul well supplied, Paul shares that God will meet their needs. In these verses, we see how the the Philippians sacrificed and and they gave to supply Paul's needs. And, And because of their generosity, Paul now says, you know what, because of that generosity, God will meet your needs as well. God will meet your needs This promise was very personal to Paul. Think about it. He was in need, and they came alongside him in his trouble, and they helped meet that need, and it was a very personal thing to him. And it was amazing how he saw how his God used these beloved brothers to meet his need. It It was a very personal, personal situation. His God had had displayed his power in every conceivable circumstance, including providing for his needs through the Philippians so he could focus on ministry. And because God used their generosity to meet his needs, he confidently promises that God will generously meet their needs. And the interesting thing about this promise, Paul's promise is that God would meet their need, not their greed. And oftentimes, I have, to, I have to say that we see this verse taken out of context, and it's, and it's applied to our greed, not to our need. You know, we need a new, bigger house. Well, God will supply all my needs. Do we really need, we, we need this or we need that. But, but you know what? Oftentimes, we really don't need those things. We want those things. And Paul here says the promise that God would meet their needs, not their greeds. God will provide what, what they, not what they think they needed, but what they truly need. And here, this promise is that God will provide everything they need that is key to living for Christ. Everything they need that is key to living for Christ. And in this immediate context, 
It meant that God would meet any material need caused by their great generosity to Paul. And as I think about this verse and I think about this promise, this promise of supply is for generous Christ followers like the Philippians. And it cannot be claimed by greedy people who only live for themselves. It doesn't work like that. That's not a promise for, hey, you know what, you know, just be selfish and more selfish and God will continue to bless you and give everything you need. That, God's not interested in that. And you may have success and you may not, but you know what, this is for those of us who, who, who want to follow God and want to be generous like he is generous and give to support his ministry, and God will supply our needs. We can give confidently because God will not let us down. He will not let us be in need. And he goes on and says, you know, he will, he will provide for our needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Ken Hughes talks of these riches. He says, God's riches are inerrant in his being as the creator and God of the universe. So his riches include and infinitely exceed the aggregate wealth of the universe. Paul says, you know, these, you know, these, these riches, this, these gifts are, are, are given in, in Christ Jesus. And it describes from whom and how these riches from God are given to his people. For Christians, every need is met through Christ. Our spiritual needs, our physical needs, our relational needs, every need is met through Christ. And that's what Paul is saying. You know, Paul is, Paul is saying, you know, God is going to meet your needs through Christ. And he closes and he says, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And you know what? The, the proper response to this generosity is praising God. It's to, it's to praise God and, and just to say, you know what? Praise him for how God has used his people to meet the needs and, and spread the gospel. And so as we close this morning, there is a guarantee that, you know, when we talk about making an investment, there is some, an investment we can make that is guaranteed to have a return. And it's this, God will supply the needs of believers who generously partner in the ministry of the gospel by sacrificially giving. God will supply the needs of believers who generously partner in the ministry of the gospel by sacrificially giving. It's a sure thing investment that will generate a guaranteed return. I listened to a sermon the last two weeks, and the pastor said this. You know what? Giving is greater than getting. Giving is greater than getting. It's not what you have. It's what you do with what you have. And I thought, well, that's, 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 a, that's a great statistic. And he went on to say, you know what? As Americans, the more that we make, the less we give. The more we wake, the less we give. And so, and so as Americans, we don't believe that giving is greater than getting. But as believers, we should, we should believe that. And as Paul was praising the Philippians' generosity this morning, I just want to close, and I want to praise your generosity. As Dick talked a little bit about this morning, I just wanted to say thank you for giving this year. Uh, it, it's amazing as we think about this year and what has transpired, we have undergone this renovation campaign that's three phases. The first phase to pay off our debt. And this year, because of your giving, we paid off $110,000 of debt. We are debt-free because of your giving. Thank you for your generosity. 
The second phase of that, that campaign is to set up a, a $250,000 stewardship account so, so we don't need a line of credit for the bank so that when, when times are lean that we can kind of be our own bank and then we can replenish that account. And so far we have $77,000 given to phase two of that, of our renovation campaign. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for giving to that. And once we reach that $250,000 goal, we're going to move into phase three. And phase three is the renovation of this sanctuary in our lobby. And, uh, and we're looking forward to, to you continue to be generous to help us raise the money that we need to do that. And so as I think about that, I'm just overwhelmed by your generosity. And, you know, in the midst of this extra giving, our giving to missions and to the general fund has been consistent. I mean, we, you know, Dick just did this little exercise with the kids, and, and, and you gave so generously this morning. That, that plate was overflowing for an extra opportunity to give. This year, I was thinking about just some of the things we did in this building, and because of your generosity and because of your giving above and beyond your tithes and offerings, we replaced 49 windows in this building. We remodeled three bathrooms, three ladies' rooms, so all, and all the ladies say amen, right? And, 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 you know, but, it, but if it wouldn't have been for your generous giving, we wouldn't have been able to do that. And many of you have generously given to projects at the school, and you've given to, to help our kids go on missions trips. I just want to say thank you for generously giving. Because as I think about that, and, and as we look at what we just talked about this morning, and I, and, I, and, I, and I just share all that information, I think that, you know what, a lot of you are living out what Paul was talking about. On behalf of myself and Pastor Dick and our board, we just want to say thank you so much. Thank you for being generous. Thank you for doing what you can to give to the ministry, to God's ministry. And we're coming into a new year, 2014. And maybe, maybe 2013 you haven't been that generous. 2014 is a new opportunity. God, Paul says here to the Philippians, you know what? God will supply all of your needs for those who generously give to support the ministry, to God's ministry. And I believe that that's true for us today. So if you want to make an investment that has lasting impact, that has a guaranteed return, just continue doing what you've been doing and give generously. And God will bless you here. He'll bless his ministry. And you'll, and you'll get the benefit of the eternal rewards as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity this morning we have to talk about generosity. And Lord, I just thank you again for the generosity of your people here. Lord, when we think about all the, the, the finances that it takes to run a ministry here with our school and our church, Lord, it's just overwhelming to think how you provide for your, from your faithful people to make this all happen for your honor and glory. And Lord, I'm thankful for Paul and, and, and his example of, of pointing us to the Philippians, how in spite of their persecution and poverty, they, they gave generously. They gave generously to the ministry of the gospel. And Lord, how you use that gifts to enable Paul's ministry to do so many great things. 
And Lord, I pray that we would follow in the Philippians' footsteps. Lord, we, it, we live in a, in, a, in a country that is so selfish and me-focused, and it's hard. It's hard to be generous. It's easy to get caught up in all those messages of living for ourselves, and yet, Lord, your message is countercultural. You want us to live for you and to give to you so your message could spread throughout this country and the world. And Lord, one of the ways that your ministry moves forward is through us faithfully and generously giving so that your name and fame might be known all over this world. Lord, thank you for the faithfulness of your dear people here this year. Thank you for the example after example of of generous followers of Christ. Lord, help us all this year to do the same and be generous followers of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Just wanted to give you a little update on that offering we took for, uh, for the missions trip here coming up. Uh, we received $1,132 this morning. Talk about generosity, amen? That's amazing. Thank you so much. And, and this, this year, as we move into 2014, let's remember giving is greater than getting. It's, it's truly is greater than getting. And, and, and let's continue to look for ways to generously give to support God's ministry because it's the only thing that will have a guaranteed return. Have a great, great rest of your day. We'll see you in 2014. God bless.